back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throw it high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Monday. It is Labor Day. I am Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And just because we are on a long weekend doesn't mean we don't have a show. Plenty of action to cover here on today's show. It's game week, six days away from New England. We're going to hear from Coach and each of the coordinators in Josh Boyer, Danny Crossman, and Chan Gailey. Plus, we'll get you caught up on the Dolphins' 2020 roster, the depth chart, the practice squad, captains, all of that and more on this Monday, September the 7th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So did anybody else watch drag racing for two hours on Sunday? Luckily, I was watching the Heat in Game 4, a tough loss in overtime to the Milwaukee Bucks, but the Tua Tungavailoa documentary that was supposed to air on Fox on Sunday, I had that recording on the DVR, so I didn't subject myself to alternative programming because of the weather delay, I think it was, at drag racing, but the documentary is set to air officially on Tuesday night on FS1, the same time as Hard Knocks at 10 p.m. Eastern, so get the DVR fired up once again if you intend to watch that. And on that note, how was everybody's weekend? We had a busy one out here in Davie. I want to talk about a new trade acquisition in Lynn Bowden Jr. I want to talk about the roster in general, the practice squad, the depth chart, all the stuff we talked about in the lead. But since Coach touched on a lot of those in his Monday morning presser, let's go ahead and let him tee us up here and we'll intervene for some further analysis as we do on the media portion of the Drive Time podcast. And first... We start with Coach Flores announcing his starting quarterback for Sunday in New England. Yeah, I mean, I, look, this is a groundbreaking news. I think uh, Fitz is going to be the starter, you know, in, in a, a year like this with limited, uh, no OTAs, no mini camp, limited you know, training camp or a modified training camp. We just felt like that was the best decision for uh, the team. Um, he's, he's, he's done a good job through the course of training camp and uh, he'll be out there. So there you have it, the announcement we all kind of expected here coming in with Ryan Fitzpatrick as the starting quarterback. I'm not sure if as much of an announcement. Fitz finished the season last year after re-entering the lineup from week 6 through 17 with 3,226 passing yards. That was third best in the NFL. He had the second most fa- uh, passing first downs in the NFL over that time as well and was the 10th highest graded quarterback on pro football focus over that course of time. Tua Tungavailoa, the rookie, will serve as his backup quarterback. So that's your quarterback depth chart for now and up next coach was asked about the practice squad and how this year on that 16-man practice squad and of course the Dolphins do have 17 members on the practice squad because of the roster exemption for Durval the now offensive lineman as he's listed on the Miami Dolphins roster making the switch from defensive line part of that international pathway program he has roster exemption so he is the 17th man on the practice squad alphabetically the first one is a recent acquisition in Salvin Ahmed out of Washington, the running back. And up second on the practice squad list, alphabetically, is wide receiver Antonio Callaway. And you might remember him from the NFL draft from the Cleveland Browns. 
He was selected in the fourth round, number 105 overall by the Cleveland Browns back in 2018. And in that rookie season, he played in 16 games, started 11 for the Browns, caught 43 passes for 586 yards, and scored five touchdowns with 27 first downs to boot on that. I recall a long touchdown catch he had against the Saints from Tyrod Taylor in that game where he got on top of the coverage and pulled a really nice reception in in the end zone for a touchdown. So Antonio Callaway, after a spring in the XFL, is now back in the NFL on the Miami Dolphins practice squad. On the rest of the Dolphins practice squad, we're going to have Nick Coe, who also was not here for training camp. He was one of the Auburn defensive linemen. You might recall that beastly Auburn defensive line with Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson and Nick Coe always getting constant pressure down there at Auburn. The 6'5", 291-pound defensive end joins the Dolphins now. Another newcomer on the practice squad is Brian Cole. He signs here by way of Mississippi State last year, entering his rookie season on the Dolphins practice squad here. And the rest of the group were guys that were previously with the Miami Dolphins. Matt Cole, the receiver out of McKendree, was here through training camp. Javaris Davis was here for a minute, was released and brought back now on the Dolphins practice squad. He too out of Auburn, so he teams back up with Noah Igbenogany in that Dolphins secondary. Tay Hayes, the cornerback out of Appalachian State, who played a little bit last year at the end of the season, is back on the practice squad. So is Nate Hawley, the CF signing last year's CFL outstanding rookie of the year. Jonathan Hubbard is back on the Dolphins practice squad after spending his training camp here in Miami, was waived on Saturday and brought back on the practice squad. Kylan Johnson, the linebacker out of Pittsburgh. He was a transfer from Florida. He had all of his pass rushing productivity up in Pittsburgh, his final season there in college. He's back on the practice squad. So too is Benito Jones out of Ole Miss, the big, beefy defensive tackle up in the front. He'll be back on the Dolphins practice squad. Wide receiver Kirk Merritt out of Arkansas State. He too is back. Chris Chris Myrick was in the practice squad last year. He returns back to the Miami practice squad. We mentioned Durval, the six foot four, 330 pound guard, a massive, massive dude out of Brazil. He is back with that roster exemption status. Tyson Render, the defensive end, is here as well from Middle Tennessee State. He was competing in camp off the edge on the Dolphins defense and some special teams as well. He returns to the Dolphins practice squad. Jake Rudock, the quarterback, we know him very well here in Miami. He returns back to the Dolphins practice squad to give Miami three quarterbacks in the building and cornerback Ken Webster, who had a cup of coffee here last season with the Dolphins playing some regular season games. He is back and on the Dolphins practice squad. So 17 guys there. We got a depth chart to get to here real quick. But let's first go back to Brian Flores' Monday morning media availability when he talked about the two players that you can call up on game day to dress on game day off this practice squad list. Here's Coach Flores on the team's approach when it comes to practice squad call-ups. Yeah, once that rule is put in place, you know, with the new CBA, it's something we talked about, you know, as a as a, as a staff, myself, Chris, Brandon, Marvin, um, and the uh, coaching staff. Um, and, man, it's an interesting, uh, uh, you know, that flex, being able to flex up a practice squad player it's something that, you know, I think, you know, a number of teams are going to use. We talked about it. We may use it as well. So we've, we've had discussions. Uh, it was really case by case and week by week. And, you know, a lot of it de- depends on the game plan. So we'll try to, uh, you know, without giving too much away here, uh, we'll use it when we need it. Uh, and if we don't, we won't use it. So again, that's two players that can be called up on game day to dress for game day to take your roster from 53 up to 50 guys. You still have to make inactives, though. So the roster in the end 
doesn't allow you to activate every single player on the active roster for game day. Up next, Coach was asked about the usage and the decision to bring Lynn Bowden in. The Dolphins traded a fourth-round pick and brought back a sixth-round pick as well as the Raiders' third-round pick in this year's draft in Lynn Bowden Jr. out of Kentucky. Played some receiver, played some quarterback there for the Wildcats. We'll talk more about Lynn Bowden here in just one second, but here's Coach on the decision to get Bowden in here. He was also asked about the pairing of he and Malcolm Perry. Here's Coach talking about all of that collectively with regards to the Lynn Bowden trade. Well, I mean, it's two young players uh, that have a lot to learn. Um, haven't played in the National Football League. Don't don't know the speed of the game. They've got a long way to go. Um, so I'm excited about uh, both Lynn and Malcolm uh, from a talent standpoint. Uh, you know, they're tough. They're competitive guys. Uh, it's important to them. As far as Lynn, you know, obviously we did a lot of uh, work on him pre-draft. When the trade was uh, an option here, we did a lot more work. Uh, so we're, we're excited about, uh, you know, having him join our team. You know, once he gets here, I mean, there's a lot that, that, that he's going to have to. He's not going to just jump out there and, and start playing. Uh, he's got to learn the, you know, how we do things around here. It's obviously a new environment. Uh, you know, he doesn't know where our facility is. He's not going to know where the meeting, meeting rooms are, the training room, the weight room. So he's got a lot to learn in a little bit of time. Uh, he's excited. We're excited to have him. Um, we're excited to have uh, Malcolm also, and you know a lot of guys in this really class. We look forward to to, to working with uh, all the young guys and really everyone in this on this team. But this week, obviously, we're locked in on the Patriots. Um, and that's we're trying to have a laser focus on that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, getting guys acclimated and, and uh, trying to develop them is always um, at the forefront. Love that note there at the end about developing players and that always being at the forefront of their mind on this football team. You saw the activity on the roster throughout training camp, bringing different guys in, bringing in these young players to get a look at them, to see how they work out on the field, how they might fit into your program. And we saw that work out for Javaris Davis, for instance, who comes back on the Dolphins practice squad. So we started that conversation there talking about Lynn Bowden, who was, again, acquired over the weekend for a fourth-round draft pick and in addition to the the player coming over in the trade the Dolphins also get a sixth round draft pick in return so a swap of four and sixes to get Lynn Bowden who was the Raiders third round draft pick this year out of Kentucky now Lynn Bowden is a very interesting player he spent three years as a receiver in Kentucky but wound up playing quarterback for the second half of the season last year for the Wildcats. And as a receiver, he did catch 114 passes for 1,303 yards and six touchdowns. He entered the season on the Bolitnikoff watch list, which is the watch list for the best receiver in the country. Last year, LSU's Jamar Chase captures that crown, but he entered the season on that watch list. So you get a feel for what he was thought of as a receiver in that regard. And how about his rushing statistics that were there when he was a receiver, but definitely took off as a quarterback. Last season alone, carried the ball 180 five times for 1468 yards that's an average of 7.9 yards per carry he had 13 touchdowns on the ground as well so this guy can do a lot of things they manufactured tons of touches for him in that Kentucky offense even as a receiver which he will be listed here in Miami as a receiver on the depth chart on the roster But in college, they found a way to manufacture touches for him because he did have an average of 7.7 yards after the catch as a receiver. So they got him the ball in space on slip screens, smoke screens, bubbles. They threw it to him short in the backfield on pop passes, little jet sweep actions. So he gets his hands on the football 
and makes plays in a variety of ways. He created 17 missed tackles in 2018, his last season as a full-time receiver. 17 missed tackles on 67 receptions with, again, that 7.7 yards after the catch. Last season as a quarterback, he had a PFF rushing grade of 87.2. That was the highest in college football for non-running backs. He also forced 0.3 missed tackles per rush. That was higher than most running backs in all of college football. He also won the Paul Horning Award, which is the awarded the most versatile player in the country in all of college football. He was a consensus All-American for the versatile spot, the kind of X-factor spot they have on that list. He also won the Herald Leader Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year Award, which recognizes the, I guess, top name in the state of Kentucky. And last year, he beat out Ja Morant and Lamar Jackson, the NFL MVP and the NBA Rookie of the Year for that award, so no joke there. He also set the single-game SEC rushing record for a quarterback when he went for 284 on the ground against Louisville and, again, entered the season on the Blitnikoff watch list. So Lynn Bowden Jr., your newest Miami Dolphin traded here, will play receiver for the Dolphins coming out of Kentucky. Up next, Coach was asked about some of the new guys on this defense that he has past relationships with, like Kyle Van Noy, for instance, and how he approaches coaching different players at this stage of his career Interesting answer here from Coach talking about how much he loves coaching, the passion he has for coaching. Here's Coach. We're, uh, we're excited about Kyle. Uh, we're excited about a lot of guys on, on, on the team, offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, you know, I think Kyle's uh, history with me and history with the, you know, the defense has been helpful. I would say in a lot of ways because, you know, he and I have been, uh, uh, been together so long. Uh, it's good for, to, for other, other guys to hear, you know, I haven't changed. You know, I coach guys hard. I'm demanding. I'm still that way. Uh, and I'm going to be that way. So um, I think for, for a lot of guys, it's, you know, when Kyle says, yep, you know, he's, he's, he's losing it. But, you know, he'll, 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 he'll get back here and give him five minutes. So I think that's that part of it's been, been good. Uh, and whether that's, you know, Kyle or Landon. And I would say some of these, uh, the guys that were here a year ago, um, they understand that too. Um, not that I lose it all the time, but, um, you know, I, I am, I am, uh, you know, passionate about coaching, passionate about getting guys better. And it's, it's, it's something that, you know, I love coaching. So uh, it's, it's, it's great to have Kyle, uh, great to have, you know, Kyle and really a lot of the other guys defensively, Bobby McCain, uh, Gotcha, Al, you know, Bake. Um, so I'm excited about, you know, that group. And uh, we got to put, put together a good week to play against a, you know, a really good football team. And, you know, I think we'll do that. I think there's a lot to unpack in that answer. First, the the mention about the passion he has for coaching and kind of laughing about the mentality he has within talking about when he loses it for five minutes and then kind of comes back to have that balance on the roster and have a guy that knows the coach's personality and can help communicate to the rest of the roster, along with guys that were here last year that know him as well. That just kind of helps everybody get on the same page. And I, I love coaches mention there about, I don't lose it all the time, but you know, sometimes I'm, I'm passionate and anybody that's passionate about anything can tell you this. I can tell you this, that it can control you for maybe a few minutes. And I'm, I'm the same way. If I get upset about something, maybe it takes me five or six minutes. I tell my wife all the time, let me just kind of separate for a second. Give me five, 10 minutes. I'll come back 
and I'll get the emotion out of it. And then we're back at it with much more of a logical approach than an emotional approach. So it's, it's cool to hear coach talk about his personality that way, how the guys receive it, how it's communicated across the rest of the roster there from players like Kyle Van Noy, like he mentioned. So good insight there into coach's personality, how he loves to coach players hard. We've heard the demanding aspect of his personality, of his coaching style since he got here. And I think that really helps bring out the best in his players. And before we get to the Dolphins depth chart and coach talking about the, I guess, not so heavy importance of the depth chart because of all the different personnel groupings, we'll hear from coach on that here in just one second. But first, before that, your Miami Dolphins 2020 captains on offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, players voted uh, two on special teams, Clayton Fedulum and Kayvon Frazier, uh, three on offense, and, uh, Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Ted Karras, and Jesse Davis. And three on defense, Bobby McCain, Kyle Van Noy, and Landon Roberts. So there you have it. Eight captains on this Dolphins football team. Both the special teamers are newcomers, and both are guys that have four years of experience. Both are guys that have made plenty of plays and tackles on special teams and guys that can play defense as well. In safeties, Clayton Fedulum and Kayvon Frazier. On the defensive side, one familiar face gets the captain nod once again, and Bobby McCain as he is entering year number six here in Miami, which of course makes him the longest tenured defender on this Dolphins defense. Also, Kyle Van Noy and Elandon Roberts, the two linebackers here in Miami, will be captains on this defense, formerly with Brian Flores in New England. And on offense, three more captains, Ryan Fitzpatrick, your quarterback, Jesse Davis, the offensive tackle slash guard, and Ted Karish, your center slash guard on the interior offensive line. Those three will be your captains this year on the Dolphins offense. So eight captains in total. Let's get back to Coach's response about the depth chart, the importance of that depth chart, and how it's pretty much, like we've talked about on this podcast so many times, kind of a flexible, fluid thing because you have different personnel groupings. There's no such thing as base defense anymore. There's all kinds of different sub packages on defense and on offense in this day's NFL. Tons of substitutions. And with that, Coach, as he says here, you need more than just 11 guys on offense and defense. So the depth chart, eh, we could take it or leave it. You know, the guys who are, um, let's call it starters, uh, are guys who, you know, obviously had good training camps and showed that, you know, from a consistency standpoint, from a technique fundamental standpoint, from a communication standpoint, uh, ahead of some other guys. Again, that initial depth chart, you know, I wouldn't take, put too much, uh, too much into that. Uh, there, there's so many, there's so many groupings, you know, what grouping are we talking about? Are we talking about 12 personnel, 11 personnel, 20 personnel, 10 personnel? Big nickel, little nickel, dime. Like, I mean, so um, I'm not into the whole starters, you know, backups. I think, you know, in football, you got 11 guys on the field, a lot of different groupings. I would say this year specifically, you know, with no preseason games, we're going to see a lot of guys who are playing. You know, every rep counts, every snap counts. So I don't really put too much into, hey, this guy's the starting this or the starting, you know, right guard or left guard or defensive tackle. So I'm sure you guys will. <laughs> take a hard, long, hard look and, uh, you know, write about who's starting, who's not. Uh, but I think we'll see a lot of guys playing in a lot of different groups. Yep, you heard him rattle off some different packages there that include different players. That's why depth in this league is so important in 2020. As this Dolphins team has demonstrated, they will go out and try to improve the 1 through 53 as much as they possibly can. Just a quick note on that real quick. You'll notice sometimes that 
A player might start a game, like Coach mentioned there, with 12 personnel, for instance. If you open a game in 12 personnel, that means you're going to have your first and second tight end on the field. But your second tight end might only play 15, 20 snaps in the game, but he still gets credit for the start over the receiver who might come on for 11 personnel, where you have three receivers on the field, who plays 45 snaps. The tight end gets the start because he was on the field for the first play. So again, starters, not that important of a distinction. Snap counts at the end of the day are what you're looking for. And on the topic of the depth chart, we'll circle back to that later in this podcast and at the latest on tomorrow's Drive Time podcast. Still not available at the time of recording right now, but what we do have is audio from the three coordinators and Chan Gailey, Josh Boyer, and Danny Crossman. Let's first go ahead and hear, 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 hear from Chan Gailey on the decision to start Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Uh, I think last year's play and this year's preparation and play uh, played a lot into the decision. Very brief there, no doubt. We are going to hear back or circle back and hear from Coach on Ryan Fitzpatrick here in just one moment. Next, he was asked about the difficulties of going to Foxborough and getting a victory. He says it's all about the players. They got good players is one thing. Uh, that, that When you have good players, it's hard to win. I don't care if you're home or away. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, they've, they've won a bunch. They've they, they believe they can win, and it, you have to go fight your rear off to win up there. Uh, it, it's always been a tough place to play, but uh, the good thing about it is it, it's the players on the field that get to go uh, play the game and make the difference. Uh, our crew went up there last year and won, so I think they have a great belief uh, about what they're capable of doing. And up next, Coach evaluates a receiver who didn't make the trip to Foxborough last year as he was injured and Preston Williams and how his campus progressed so far in year number two for the wide receiver. Yeah, he, um, some days he, he looked great, and then uh, other days you could tell he wasn't 100%, but uh, there were more really good days than than the bad days, and we tried to rest him, and um, I, I, think he's, I think he's in a good place going into the first ball game. And we'll stay on the pass catcher topic here and talk about the tight ends the Dolphins have on the roster and the importance of finding balance among those two when you do go in 12 personnel or if you have one tight end on the field, the importance of having a guy that can both be a receiver and an inline blocker in Mike Gesicki and Durham Smythe and the improvements those guys have made this offseason. Uh, it's, it's very important. Uh, you don't want to get locked into one, doing one thing with, with guys like that. You have to show some versatility. So, um, you know, a, a guy like Mike that's envisioned as a just a receiver and, and not a blocker, uh, we've worked hard to help him get better as a blocker, and I think he's done that. And I think uh, we've also done the same thing with Durham. We've, we've worked hard with him to help his receiving, and uh, he's, done, he's worked hard at it, and I, I think he's gotten better at it. So, Hopefully we've got balance there uh, more than people uh, might think at this point. And as promised, here is the circle back talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and what he means to this offense and what Chan Gailey thinks about him as a leader, as a player, and as a captain of this football team. His leadership is, is unbelievable. His understanding of the game is right up there with the, the best. Um, uh, and he understands not only what we're trying to do, he understands what the defense is trying to do. And that gives uh, any quarterback a leg up when they can do that. So uh, 
it wasn't necessarily that way my, our first year together in Buffalo, but he's gotten to the point uh, the last you know six or seven years that that's um, been a real asset for him. So um, his leadership, um, I think his accuracy has improved since we were together last. And uh, I think that um, his knowledge is, is great. And, and the other thing is, he loves the game. He's a competitor. He wants to win. And you got a competitor quarterback, uh, that goes a long way. I love Chan's perspective on these kind of things. Like this question here about will he be on the field or up in the booth? As a coordinator, he says he's always been up in the booth for the calmness it provides being up high compared to being down on the field. I, I've always, when I, when I hadn't been a head coach, uh, when I was a coordinator, I've always been upstairs. The calmness of being able to think through the next series, of being able to uh, look at the pictures and, and think about things uh, without somebody coming up to you and telling you they were open on the last play, why don't you get me the ball, you know, all that stuff. Uh, it's, it's great to just sit there and, and think about what, how you need to go about beating the, the defense the next time out. Um, and you can spread out and, and just have some calmness is what I like about it. And finally here for Chan, he tells us his favorite part about being a play caller and the desire to win on game day. You're in the business because you like to win. Uh, everybody says they want to compete, but no, you want to win. That's what you're trying to do. Uh, you compete in order to be able to win. If you don't compete, you won't win. So, yes, you want to compete, but I love winning. And it may be winning a series. Uh, it may be winning a half. Uh, but ultimately, you're about winning the game. And uh, the good thing about it is I try, I've over the years realized the most important thing is at the end of the ball game to have one more point than the other guys. Uh, that's a successful day. Because if we, if we go out and win – 15, 14, uh, you guys will say how bad we are on offense and right, but we won. If we win 43, 42, you'll talk about how great we were, but we won. Uh, th the biggest thing is to go win the game. And uh, so uh, I, I like winning. That's what, that's what I enjoy about play calling is winning. And I don't think I got all the answers, but I hopefully have enough to help us win. And next, we get Dolphins defensive coordinator Josh Boyer here on the podcast talking to the South Florida media. First, he was asked about the uncertainty of not just this season, but any year going into week one where you don't maybe know what you have quite yet on the defense, on the team, and how your best ball should come later in the year because you always should be improving. Well, I would say, yeah, going into any season, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, you know, you, you work your way through training camp, um, you try to do as many things, you know, as you can to get players ready. Uh, but, you know, like I've said earlier, the, the defense will evolve over time. And, um, you know, we're going to try to put them in position to make plays. And obviously it's going to come down to execution and fundamentals. Um, you know, it's really an unprecedented uh, experience this year because uh, there, there's no game action before we go out there. So, you know, our focus has really been on fundamentals, um, you know, and uh, I think, you know, over time, you know, like the chemistry, the camaraderie, the fundamentals, the play, all of it will improve. 
like we we don't look to be playing our best football in September. I mean, you know, week to week we're looking for improvement. So I think that um, you know that there's going to be a little bit of uh, you know we'll see. And uh, but you know our focus is on getting ready to go the, go this week and go up there and get a win. Um, that's that's what our focus is. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there's definitely some unknown going into it. Up next, a question for Josh that brought back a really interesting answer and something I've covered on this podcast before. One of my favorite defensive game plans, and not just that it involved Brian Flores and Josh Boyer for that matter, just in football in general, was the first half of the 2018 AFC Championship game between the Patriots and the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, who is by all accounts, the toughest player to defend in the National Football League because we've seen what he can do off-platform and throwing the football from different arm angles, different arm slots, and having accuracy and anticipation regardless of where his base and where his feet and where he sets up at. He's so difficult to defend that way because if you flush him out of the pocket, he's still just as dangerous doing that as he is surveying from inside the pocket. And so you had this plan that really kind of rush contained, kept him in the pocket and forced him to be stationary and beat you from there, which of course he still is capable of doing that as we saw him do later in that game and get hot in the second half of that game. But the idea of having a defense that can rush or rather generate pressure from the scheme itself based upon the matchups you create by sending different rushers, by making the blitz call or the blitz protection not clear for the quarterback and making confusion for the quarterback getting that pressure through the scheme but also the ability to create one-on-one matchups in the pass rushing game to get pressure that way too here's Josh Boyer talking about how they want to generate pressure and how he thinks they get pressure on opposing quarterbacks this year on this Dolphins defense well you know again I I think pressure um, it, it comes in a variety of forms um, uh, some of it will be individual effort. Uh, some of it will be, uh, you know, team, team oriented, scheme oriented. Uh, but, um, we'll take it any way we can get it. Um, you know, so like, you know, obviously ultimately I think all defenses are trying to put pressure on, on the quarterback. I think they're trying to put pressure on the offensive line. I think, um, you know, sometimes you can do that, um, you know, by, uh, disguises alignments and sometimes you can do it by matchups so um and again you know we're working pretty hard to put our guys in a position to succeed so and again um you know we're excited about sunday and you know we're looking forward to it and you know and we'll kind of see what the results are there And I was hoping Coach would get a question about the captains as they were announced on Monday and Bobby McCain, Kyle Van Noy, and Elandon Roberts on his defense. Here is Josh Boyer talking about the defensive captains and the work of some other guys to really help facilitate workouts and camaraderie this offseason. Well, I would say with with all three of our guys, uh, Bobby, Kyle, and Elandon, I I think those are all three great candidates, which obviously you mentioned the players voted for those guys. Um, I think, uh, you know, all of our players, uh, all of our coaches, you know, need to exhibit leadership, you know, on a daily basis. I think uh, these guys have, have kind of stood out in some of those roles. And, um, you know, again, everything has kind of been, you know, they came in and the guys that were here, it was, you know, it was a welcoming event um, for them when they're coming in. And for the guys that were here, um, I would say, you know, there's a lot of conversations between our players. Uh, you know, they worked hard in uh, the spring when we weren't able to see them. Um, these guys, uh, they reached out to uh, many players on our defense and tried to develop relationships that way. And I think ultimately, 
it's going to help us as a football team. And it says a lot about those three guys in particular, but there's, there's many others. I mean, you can go Godchow, Eric Rowe, like there's a lot of guys that, you know, took it upon themselves to reach out to guys when, you know, everybody's kind of quarantined off uh, with the pandemic and, and, you know, and they're trying to build those relationships. So. And the same question that was posed to Chan Gailey about being on the field or up in the booth has been answered here by Coach Boyer. He'll be on the field. Here his, here's his take, rather, on being down on the field to call plays on game day. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be down on the field. Um, and uh, I would say um, I probably have got as good as, you know, school as anybody because for, I don't know, the past – whether it was Matt, Patricia, or uh, Flo, um, I was basically up in the box and, you know, I was kind of going through the games with them uh, as games were going on. Uh, I would say from getting ready to call plays in a game, um, like you sit and you watch a lot of film and you go through, okay, you know, there's a lot of things that that you can manipulate the film to just give you, okay, down and distance personnel. You can create games. Uh, which we, we've obviously done. Uh, I've said through there, uh, you know, there's, there's guys on our defensive staff that have, have put those together. And, um, you know, you go through it and call that way with, you know, what you think, you know, New England's going to do this week and stuff. And, you know, it's not all right. It's not all wrong. But, you know, it, uh, it's, it's just a way to prepare. And, um, you know, and all, all, all the guys that I've been around over the years, uh, I know they've done that, and uh, that's that's just what we, how we kind of prepare. You'll go on film, you'll make the calls, and then you'll be like, you know, you know okay, well, this is something they can do in this situation. But again, like I said, you know, you know, they they have a new quarterback. Um, um, you know, there there can be a lot of unknowns out there, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll be prepared and ready to go, and make sure that we're fundamentally sound on stuff. And like I said earlier, when I was talking with you guys, there's not going to be a lot of surprises in the calls that are coming out there, our, our players are going to know what's getting called in certain situations and, you know, give them the ability to go out there and play fast. And, and again, it's going to go down to fundamentals, you know, getting off blocks and tackling, um, you know, good eye discipline and coverage. All those things are going to show up huge. I would say like, you know, the first month of the season. And we'll finish up here with Coach Danny Crossman, the special teams coordinator of your Miami Dolphins, who kind of continued a theme here of questions about the uncertainty of game one in a strange offseason, but how it's always kind of unknown going into the first game of the regular season. Well, yeah, I, I think you're always going into the first game, even after having played preseason games. You know, there's always the, um, you know, that that ramping up of the regular season as compared to the preseason. Now you just add to it that we didn't even have those preseason games, but uh, I think we've done a good job in how we've structured practice and, and how we've worked. Uh, obviously true game reps, you really don't know how guys are going to perform uh, until they, you, they get in that situation. So uh, but I like the way we've worked. I like the plan we've had. We'll have a good week of practice, hopefully, and, uh, and see what we have on Sunday. Up next, Coach discusses the return position and who he likes in that spot, talking about Jakeem Grant and the depth they have at the return spot. Yeah, you know, we're, like I've said all through camp, we have a couple guys that we're, we're very happy we have with. Obviously, Jakeem's done a good job and had a lot of production in this league. So uh, uh, we feel good about where we're at with our return situation, you know, obviously involving and especially with Jakeem. 
And so there you have it. The three Dolphins coordinators, Danny Crossman, Josh Boyer, and Chan Gailey. We heard from Brian Flores. I talked about a depth chart. We do not have that just yet. We'll cover that on tomorrow's podcast as the Dolphins are back on the field for practice on Tuesday. Again, Tuesday also brings us the Tua Tonga-Vailoa documentary, the season finale of Hard Knocks. Wednesday always has one of my favorite shows of the year in America's game. It'll be the story on the 2019 Kansas City Chiefs. And then Thursday, we've got football as the Chiefs and Texans will kick off in the season opener. The Dolphins will be on the field Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, go up to Boston on Saturday and Sunday. It is going to be game day. So it's all coming in the pipeline here very, very quickly. We're going to have you covered here on the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Every day covering this football team, we'll have the game recap on Sunday night, I believe is the plan right now. Written recap as well. And then we'll have all the content throughout the week, taking a look at the film, taking a look at the numbers on the field, preparing for each opponent, getting you guys previews. We'll have flashback podcasts on Friday as well. This week, we're going to have Jay Fiedler on the podcast talking about the 2000 season finale in New England when the Dolphins won the division, won the AFC East up in Foxborough. So plenty of content to come. Keep it locked here on the Drive Time Podcast. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. We have Fish Tank and Audible Podcast, new as of last week. And if you haven't seen the My TV, I think it's on Channel 33 or Channel 3 down here in South Florida, the flashback with the fish tank guys with Seth and Juice talking to Dan Marino and Ronnie Brown and Channing Crowder and OJ McDuffie, all these guys breaking down previous Dolphins games. They did the Wildcat game on Sunday night, I believe it was. So check out those as well. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com for all your written content on this football team. Until next time, fins up.